Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to discuss NVIDIA's super exciting announcement that took place. Yeah, I did there, Michael, with the yeah, super, super and NVIDIA. I put it together because they do the super cards. Well, guess what? Yep. We don't have any of that super garbage this time because on September 1st, they dropped all kinds of GPU goodness on us that we can sink our teeth in in this episode. And then we're going to head over to the popular camera corner with Wendy, where we're going to discuss light mods. So sit back, relax, and plug in, because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, a resident photographer extraordinaire, and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware Padawan. Let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, I hear you're now going to be using GNOME, which was the punishment for you if you didn't open those packages. Incorrect. What? <laughs> Incorrect. First of all, I would like to say, just as a formal point to make in the show, I applaud your dad joke. Well done. Second <laughs> is... I opened those boxes and I've taken out the items. You only told me to open the box technically. So I went above and beyond and took them out of the box. But they're so, all hooked up then. And ready to well, go. Okay. Using everything. One of them is hooked up. One of them is not hooked up because I don't really know how to use it yet. And I have to learn how to use it. And I only had a couple of, you know, week or so in order to learn how to use it. And I didn't. But I don't know, Wendy. I call this a fail. I think he no. has to use GNOME. No, you didn't say hooked up and using. You just said take out of the box and yeah, set up. The audience I did say that. No, no, no. They, but here's the other I thing. Like you have to, yeah, I like that idea. I don't. They're always maybe, there. Maybe. I will say one thing that I will share a photo that I sent to, to you and Wendy about not only is the battery backup set up, I even have a custom platform to sit it on, which is how above and beyond I went this time. So when you say custom now, you created this or you ordered it custom? Does it count if I didn't personally create it, but it was created at my house custom? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, did you oversee it or did you not know? Yes, it was my dimensions. Now? It was my dimensions and my my things. I just didn't do the physical cutting part. All right. Well, OK, that's pretty good. You, you get some credit there. Yeah, you're there we go. Credit. We'll, yeah. we'll give you credit there. I mean, you yeah. still have to use GNOME, but you get credit. <laughs> no, wait, no, that's not how that worked. This is where it is. Now, I went above and beyond, so I don't have to. Wendy, rumor is that you didn't do a darn hardware thing this week. Gosh dang it, I didn't. It has been so crazy with back to school and all of that stuff going on that I have let myself down and not done a single hardware thing. I've done some looking in some future hardware that's coming, and if you've been listening to DLN Extend then you'll know what hardware I'm talking about. So I will have some the end of September, early October. But as of right now, I'm hanging my head. In shame, in hardware shame. Well, listen, I'm going to make up for it here because my world has been nothing but awesome hardware and building a new machine, which, Wendy, you know the joy of this. Michael, oh you God, know the same. joy of this. It's one of the greatest things ever, especially when you're done and you hit the power button first try and you get the post <laughs> screen. You know, that's that that's just 
It's amazing. Thanks, Batman. <laughs> so I built the mini Titan, I call it, because you know the big machine I called the Beast. And this machine is teeny tiny, so mini Titan. Kind of like when they call well, it like a really big guy Smalls or something, you know? Right, but it's t- it's tiny in the, in the form factor, but Beast inside, so that's why it's a Titan. Right. It's kind of like the Doctor Who spaceship thing, closet. The TARDIS? Phone booth. TARDIS. That's it. I get, I get points for knowing that, having never watched the show. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's kind of like the TARDIS. That's what I should call it, the TARDIS, because it kind of is like that. Um, then you have to paint it blue and put uh, police like labels and stuff on it. Yeah, never mind. So what it has inside <laughs> is a Ryzen 7 3700X, 32 nice. gigabytes of DDR4, 3600 megahertz RAM, an MSI NVIDIA RTX 2070, which after today's episode, you'll realize is a complete waste of money. An ASRock <laughs> Mini ITX Phantom B550, a Corsair SF Series 600 watt, a Leon Lee TU150, and this thing is tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny. By the way, the power supply, the Corsair SF600W, is the cutest little thing you have ever put your eyes on. <laughs> like, I know some people are like, oh, puppies, oh, kittens. Take a look at the Corsair SF600, <laughs> and you'll be like, that's way cuter than a stupid puppy. This is, is how you know the fan that I shared with you guys a while back. It's pretty dark. It's pretty close. That fan close. probably powers this power supply. Like it's so it fits in the palm of your hand. It's like the size of a muffin. It's so this, tiny. <laughs> this 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 is how you know he's a hardware addict when he starts to describing hardware as cute. <laughs> oh, it was adorable. Like I had no idea. I've never used the SF power supply. And so I just, I took this little thing out of the box and I'm like, oh, look at you. Get you a Bobby. All right. So then <laughs> I have the Noctua NHL9A AM4 low profile fan in there, which is black and it is pretty cool. We'll get into that when we do some videos on my channel on this whole build. It's good. It's a little loud. And the cooling's all right on it. But I also have the Sabret Q1 terabyte, which is a super fast NVMe. And on order for weeks now is the Sabret Rocket PCIe 4.0 NVMe M2 drive that I'm waiting on for FedEx to finally deliver, even though every day they say it's out for delivery, but it never seems to deliver. I don't know what's going on there. They're just trying to torture me. But that's coming to in this machine. So all of that spec, all those that power there in this little teeny tiny form factor it's been quite an amazing experience that sounds like an absolutely awesome little machine and what made you decide to go small form factor this time around well you know i got obsessed with the little nook because i couldn't believe that a nook could do so much and especially after coming from the beast of a computer which had you know everything possible inside of it and including the amazing Radeon 7 video card and and then getting this little Intel nook that obviously not anywhere near as powerful, but could still keep up with my day-to-day video editing for the most part. And, you know, it was a little, it was a little slower. Okay. Maybe a lot slower, but it was, it was okay. Like I, it could handle all the tasks. It could do gaming on it. Some serious gaming, some really great frame rate from that little nook. And I thought, you know, it's really nice and clean on my desktop. To not have this giant machine sitting on top of it. But I needed more power than what the Nook could really offer. And I wanted to build my own thing again. And so that's why I went with this TU-150 case. 
and it is basically takes up nothing as far as desk space. So having it on your desk is like the equivalent of having, I don't know, an Xbox in, in length across on your, on your desktop. And you've got all this power inside of it that just make it incredible. And it's much taller than an Xbox, mind you, but it's about that length. And it, it's just an absolute joy to work on this machine because that Leon Lee, that was a case I've wanted growing up right, is to get a Leon Lee. My dad would buy the cheap beige razor edged cases all the time where, you know, you put your <laughs> hand in to put a cord in and you come out with razor blade cuts all over. And Leon Lee back then was like, it was just out of my ability to afford. And it wasn't something that you know, a luxury that I could afford to go get at the time. So now as a grown up, even though Leon Lee is not as popular as it once was, just being able to get my hands on one and be able to play with it has been pretty cool. And they live up to the reputation, at least with the TU-150. I mean, it's all aluminum, beautifully brushed aluminum with the incredible handle on top as well. And the machine is so light because that power supply and everything are so small and cute that you could pick it up and take it anywhere you want. No problem. So, okay, small form factor case. You said that everything was nice and smooth, no cuts. But in a case this small, how was the cable management? Well, that's the great thing. I ordered the version without the window. So who cares? Cables are all <laughs> over the place growing like a vine tree, but they're in place and everything is is there and nobody knows the difference. But no, honestly, that explains why you got the, the non-window version. <laughs> honestly, it was a big factor because I'm like, I don't really want to spend a bunch of time because I change my components out too much to be zip tying everything. But I will tell you that it's funny. I watched a lot of YouTube videos on this case and I'm like, they're doing it wrong. They're doing it wrong. They're doing it wrong. Because Leon Lee clearly states, right, on the website, even when you're buying it, that, hey, cable management thing through the top of the case. Well, everyone on the YouTube videos who are building this machine out that, that have this keep only doing the cable management through the side, which is an option too. But they're shoving everything through the side and they're like, you know, the cable management really could be improved in this case. I'm like, pop the top panel, you morons off. But that's what you'll see in, in, in my video is I popped the top panel. So even though I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about cable management, everything actually is super clean inside. I do want to say that it, while it does look great when the handle is down and it's all smooth looking, it does when it when the handle's up and you start like trying to carry it, it does remind me and it makes me want to call it the Lee and Lunchbox. <laughs> and uh, I just think that it's a fitting name to me. Yeah. It delivers your lunch if you try to game against me, right, Wendy? You know, I destroyed you. <laughs> it's not true. I don't think that's I what happened. You at least once. Well, <laughs> everyone needs to go back and watch the video because of Destination Linux Network, we had a game night. It was a ton of fun, and I had a blast with the trash talk. This episode of Hardware Axe and the entire Destination Linux Network is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with their intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and so much more. You can get all of this plus their world-class customer support for as low as $5 a month. Or use their flexible pricing structure for as low as 0.7 cents per hour. As Ryan would say, that's darn near free. DigitalOcean offers over 2,000 cloud-agnostic tutorials to help you stay up-to-date with the latest open-source software, languages, and frameworks. 
Get started on DigitalOcean for two months free with a $100 credit by going to do.co slash don. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with that $100 credit by going to do.co slash don. And we thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode. So what a week it was. Wendy, are you with me here? Because I know you were watching the conference at the same time when NVIDIA unveiled their GPUs this week. I was blown away. I have to say that I saw some really cool things, but at the same time I was going, um, can we get through this part and just show me the cards? You just wanted to get to the hardware, like a true hardware addict would. I got you. I'm got you. Now, (laughs) I I was impressed with some of their software offerings, and we'll touch on that, but obviously we're hardware podcasts. We're going to focus mostly on the hardware. But they released the Ampere architecture, which is the GeForce RTX 3090, 3080, and 3070. And as we mentioned at the beginning, Michael, I know you'll be so happy to know there were no supers, no super dupers, no extreme or any other additional out of word, slightly overclocked version at launch, at least. Cause that you know, is, it it's coming. That's great. Yes. And I was, and I was just going to say, yeah, this is, this is great. They finally did a release that didn't include that. However, we should take bets. And when the next release happens, will it have super or not? Yeah. One week yes. after AMD releases their big <laughs> Navi lineup, we'll definitely have a super <laughs> come out, a slightly overclocked version. Uh, they did release the, they did have the Titan name in there, kind of with the 3090, uh, the Titan replacement really is what it is, but the 3090 is a Titan. It's not a mini Titan. It is a Titan. This thing is huge. When he pulled it out, I thought it was a joke. It's that big. My issue with the way he pulled it out was he pulled it out of the oven. Who in the world <laughs> stick that card in the oven? Somebody in my house would have turned that thing on and it would have been like, woohoo, say goodbye to that graphics card. Right. When I was watching that, I was, I actually did watch this. Well, okay. A little bit of it. Not, not a lot. I started watching it at the Titan reveal and a little bit after that. But when he pulled it out of the oven, I just started laughing at like how (laughs) absurd it was. They're like, I understand your, 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 your conference or whatever thing is doing it through virtual because obviously they're doing the times. I get it. But, there is no justification of doing it in front of your stove and then pulling out the dry, the, the graphics card from this, the oven. It's like, that doesn't look cool. It just looks very awkward. <laughs> I actually have to give him props because I recall he was like making a noise like this thing is super heavy when he was turning. He was like, showing it. And I was like, yeah, you're not even trying to hide the fact that this is the most <laughs> That's giant good. GPU yeah. I have ever seen. It's insanity um how that part big was it cool is. It, at least that's what it looked like you know when i looked at the specs it doesn't seem all that much bigger than the other ones there but when you're you know when you're thinking of the 3070 3080 you're looking at the 2080s and stuff they're already so big the 2070 for instance in the leon lee case takes up the entire front to back of the case i mean it barely fits i have to turn the card sideways to angle it into the case and then slowly bring it back down and then lower it and then try to put it into the slot because it's so big. I mean, it takes up the entire case. So these cards are already huge. So when he pulled out 3090, I was pretty shocked. But before we get into the hardware directly, I do want to touch on something and that's the software showings that they had. 
because it reminded me a lot of the software showings we were seeing with Intel that I know intrigued you a lot, Michael, with the AI elements that they were yeah. talking about. I all of the AI stuff in the very in like the making things that are very complicated in graphic design and video design and, and motion effects, motion effects and that kind of stuff, making those things simplistic and also streamlined and efficient is something that I do all the time. Uh, every, every single time I make a new video or I edit a podcast, I want to streamline as much as possible in between so I can lower amount. And then I look at their, their Intel's announcement was like a magic to me and it looks like nvidia is trying to do something similar they absolutely did you know some of the stuff is kind of maybe if you're not a professional gamer and things you're not going to care about and i think this is really interesting when you think about amd as their big competitor in this arena is that amd makes great hardware they make fantastic cpus but they're not known as the best software driver writers out there right they've got a lot of growing to do in that area and generally their cards get better when the software finally so they'll do a release of fantastic hardware the software drivers are way behind when it comes out and then eventually three to six months later after launch when their drivers catch up you're like wow this card is really fast people should have really liked this thing except the drivers were six months behind at least that's kind of been my experience with AMD GPUs. Now, I love them, and they definitely gave us price for performance, but I think you're going to see once we get through all of this, NVIDIA is hitting AMD everywhere that AMD could possibly turn or try to take advantage of. NVIDIA has covered with this lineup absolutely brilliant business moves on NVIDIA's part, whether you like them or not. So first, they release NVIDIA Reflex to improve latency with gaming, basically keeping the CPU and GPU more in sync, and reducing the queue time between those two. So they were showing a demonstration. And I mean, I had to look at the demonstration like two times to see the difference. It's very slight. But think about it. If you're a professional gamer, some of them making hundreds of thousands of dollars or more at these tournaments, then you can have a half a millisecond quicker access reflex time to shooting somebody, then that's going to be something you would want to invest in. So Again, not a big deal across the board. It wouldn't help me, obviously, in Xenotic. <laughs> but if somebody is a professional gamer, that might be something you would look for to have just one more thing where you have some advantage. That's good for me because I am a professional gamer in Xenotic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, the other thing they did, NVIDIA broadcast using AI, they had the virtual backgrounds, audio noise removal, and they the audio this noise part. removal was so good that yeah. during the demo, his girlfriend or just a random girl, whatever, walks in the background with the blow dryer. And the blow dryer is completely, audio is completely removed. You cannot hear it. Amazing gate technology using AI. Yeah. So he's still talking. She's back there blowing her hair. You can't hear a thing. And then the virtual backgrounds were just incredible. Because, you know, the, there's a lot of software out there that does virtual backgrounds. But generally... You know, it, it grabs part of it true, or as Michael and I have this joke about half head where we did this virtual background and it like cut off half my head. Like there, there are all of these <laughs> things that it, it doesn't always quite look right. This looked pretty impressive and probably the first time I've seen something that I was like, Ooh, that could actually be competition with OBS. 
And it still had some issues, right? There was still some soft and, and fuzziness around the chairs. And then there was um, a specific area of the chair that I noticed that was still flickering a little bit. So it's not perfect. But as far as having a replacement background, it did pretty good. And one of the use cases that I like the most out of this was you were able to see not only the game full on your screen, but then the person in front of it, which looks so much cleaner and nicer than you in a box above the game or around the game. So you didn't have to have a full green screen behind you. It allows you to have that kind of look to your videos, your streaming videos without having to invest in a green screen. And let me tell you, somebody who used a green screen very early on in my Twitch streaming days, it is very annoying. Number one, it takes up so much space. Number two, if there's any wrinkles or folds or a gust of breeze because somebody opens the door and it moves, the whole image kind of goes away it, or, or is distorted or has issues. And it's just amazing to me that through AI, it's able to interpret where you are, cut out most of the scene. And like Wendy stated, it wasn't perfect, but it was close enough that you weren't going to complain about it. I think it's pretty impressive offering. And I don't think there's anything like that inside OBS. There, there are chroma key aspects of NOBS, but to that degree where you don't have to do You'd anything. You have to have special, a green screen. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, I mean, it does work without that, but it doesn't work. It, it doesn't work in a, in a reliable sense. It, it does require a bit, a, a lot of setup. The idea that this could just be turned on and you, and you're all practically good to go. And if you did have a green screen, just imagine how perfect it would be at that point. That's like, it sounds well, crazy. Not even but a the, green screen. But if you have just a plain white wall behind you or just, you know, clean lines behind you and then his chair was pretty bright red, that difference, you know, just a simple setup like that would sure. allow you to have that look. Very Yeah, clean. for sure. I think the audio, the audio uh, noise removal stuff was the most impressive thing for as far as like appealing to me, because I think that this has a lot of potential. And this this is one of the few things where like the virtual background's cool, but the noise removal is something I would use all the time. Game changer for podcasting, yeah. right? Yeah. It makes it uh, there's so often like there are times where I'm just thinking, do you have to mow your grass right now? Yes. Yep. Like, well, and for you, it's usually the dogs barking. Anybody who's yeah, that watched too. you live stream this week in Linux knows that your dogs bark at the most inconvenient time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. That's very true too. Like there's so many different variables. And if all I, if I could just have something that set up and ignore, ignore that, that'd be amazing. So then they add this machinima, which is basically storytelling through video games. So you take yeah. a game like, yeah, Michael, you take a game like, <laughs> I don't know, Minecraft or something. And they take those characters or those 3D models and they're able to make them do other things outside of the game to make like movie like scenes and elements and things like yeah. that. I don't know. Is that the best way to describe machinima? Cause I'm Basically, over 13, so I don't really know what it is. How Michael, dare you? Can you tell us? How dare you? How dare you? It's making, well, you used Minecraft for that purpose, but it's ma it makes, it allows you to make movies and short films with video games and the engines that power the games. The best example of machinima that is a mainstream thing is red versus blue where they took Halo and made uh, like uh, basically a series uh, of just stories that are all powered by the engine inside of Halo. 
and everything is controlled. And they even use the original Xbox when they first started Red versus Blue to create and run all the engine stuff. So it wasn't like they just recorded the things. They used the engine in the Xboxes and had multiple Xboxes to make. It's a lot of effort and work to make it happen. It sounds like it's like a shortcut for using the engine to do it for you, but those engines are not meant to do the thing that you're doing it with. So it does add a lot of effort requirement and it is awesome to be able to create something out of this and it, and it work. Now it's a lot of effort in order to do it. Cause I actually tried to do it myself and I created one with rocket league and the, the, the machinima I made was like three minutes long and it took me four hours to do. So it's, and also took me with like getting four people to help me make it. So it's not a simple process and it does take a lot of work and it's really cool that they're making it an easier thing to do from the, well, check the out software these partners side. for this thing. This Omniverse platform is Adobe, Autodesk, Pixar, Rhinoceros, SideFX, Trimble, Unreal Engine and Unity. So they are putting some serious like plugin and API capabilities across very popular products pull off this omniverse platform that they have and then you can i guess leverage that for things like this which is kind of cool well and it was not just that you were looking at things that they were showing how you can use this to help with textures inside of game development character movement including flows and that kind of thing so i can see where some of these companies would be really interested in this hardware technology added with the software side to help make producing games faster, easier, and putting out a higher quality product for the end user, the gamer who loves to see these amazing movement storylines in games. Yeah, and you're talking about their deep learning algorithm improvements and engine development for AI. And one of the things they showed off was like making clothes move or the individual hairs move and those type of things. They talked a lot about ray tracing Ray tracing, ray tra- Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. You know, NVIDIA, yeah. they got to talk about ray tracing, right? It's just their thing. It wasn't obviously a huge home run. And I can say that because they kept saying words like home run and huge success and game changer over and over again when talking <laughs> about ray tracing. So, you know, yeah, it was actually bad. none of those things. Um, but ray tracing is cool, right? It adds some neat effects and elements. And I think it's only going to get better as the cards get more powerful. And they were basically showing that with the new line of cards that, you know, they've been able to achieve much better performance with ray tracing. Of course, you know, AMD has ray tracing as well. So this isn't something that's just unique to NVIDIA, but they are better at software currently. AMD, are you listening? Because you really need to get some better software devs out there. Um, they have the NVIDIA RTX IO direct storage for Windows to improve IO. That's Windows only. But it kind of made me think, you know, a lot of us are Linux users and enthusiasts. And this is something where the NVIDIA card IO direct storage to improve input and output throughput for this card is something that is a Windows feature that they're taking advantage of here. Is this something you won't see in any other operating system? That was a little bit eh, for me. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, some of that is the overall software in general. How much of it is going to be available for other operating systems? Do you have to be Windows only to use all this? And I know the majority of people who are putting these cards in their systems are using Windows machines. But it would be nice to be able to play with some of that too. I expected it from NVIDIA. 
I I was hoping I would be wrong, but uh, apparently not not wrong. Yeah, and this is the frustrating part because NVIDIA just does not do a lot in the open source world with their drivers, whereas AMD does a lot more. And NVIDIA is king of the mountain, right? So you would hope they would, but because they're king, and I honestly just think this announcement in their hardware only further solidifies their place right now as the top spot for an eGPU. But it is frustrating because I would like to see them do a lot more in that arena. But they also are releasing a 360 hertz G-Sync display for esports. Yes, 360 hertz. Not 144. Crazy. That seems like it's like not a real thing that they're just adding a number. Like somehow they're they're trying to pad that number. Yeah, they're padding that number somehow. I don't know. I don't know, but I mean, look, I think a lot of esports people will buy it. I think a lot of esports fans will buy it just to say, yeah, I got the same monitor Shroud has. I'm, I'm bronze in CSGO, but I still have the same monitor. <laughs> I don't even know if bronze is a thing in CSGO, but just go with it. And then, of course, they talked <laughs> about the Gen 4 PCIe, which is really interesting because you remember there was this one company that I actually really like, but they say some dumb things sometimes like every company, which is Intel, you know, the one that said it doesn't really matter right now. Well, it really matters here. And NVIDIA was talking about this a lot. So really, NVIDIA, if you're talking about 4.0 and needing that throughput to really take advantage of the card, what you're really saying, because Intel doesn't have anything that's 4.0 right now, is you want an NVIDIA AMD combo. I cannot wait to see real world testing because some of the other hardware stuff that I like to follow has already commented on this particular thing, this 4.0 and AMD has it right now and Intel doesn't. And what is it going to look like when they start to do real world testing on these things? Is it going to make a difference? And if it does, how much difference does that actually make? For those of us who are now have a CPU and motherboard that does Ford Auto. I'm just sitting back and was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to see these results. For somebody who is looking at doing a system upgrade, this is going to be an interesting thing to follow. Do you go ahead and spend the extra money and get the Ford Auto PCI capability, or are you good for another generation to still be running? 3.0. No, you're not. No, because faster is always better. You have <laughs> a need better. for speed. <laughs> but I mean, PC, PCIe 4.0 doubles the bandwidth available. So it only makes sense when you have a card this powerful, which we need to get into the hardware. People are like, shut up about the software. Tell me about the hardware. But when you have hardware this powerful, they could take advantage of this. And certainly this is an area where they're making the software and the hardware here perfectly in sync with the OS to deliver the maximum amount of direct input between the GPU and CPU and removing everything else in between. So I I really think here that you're going to see that this is really the first piece of hardware that truly, truly takes advantage of that 4.0 lane. Don't get me wrong. I am totally all for new, but I'm also on the cost benefit analysis part of it is spending the extra money worth it for the extra performance you get and nvidia talked a great game and i love the hype that they sent 
But I'm also very reluctant to tell anybody like, yeah, absolutely go for it until I see real world testing numbers from places that I trust. That's true. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. We A lot of people have made claims in the past about how fast their components are. And then when real world comes, people are trying it and they're like, uh, not even close, not even close. Yeah. The cooling's not there. Uh, or other issues are there. But so the Ampere is interesting because it's using Samsung's eight nanometer technology versus Turing's TSMC 12 nanometer FFN technology from the prior generation. So Samsung coming in here with the eight nanometer. Remember some of those people out there, Michael, like nanometer don't matter. And, and technically <laughs> they're right, but it's the fact that now they can double the amount of transistors because it's smaller on that chip which goes from 20 to 25 million to now 60 million transistors per square millimeter in there, which and double the CUDA cores that makes this nanometer thing matter, right? By itself, just saying eight nanometer doesn't matter. You take the Turing cores and everything, put exactly the same on eight nanometers, probably not going to make much of a difference, maybe a little less power uh, needed to run it. But here you have just a lot more space to put things on. Well, and, and not only that, but this change in nanometer, this downsizing in the size of everything in general, allowed them to cut down the board size in order to have this unique cooling option that they've given on these reference cards. Very cool cooling option that I want to talk about because everybody who's building a computer, like when I was building this TU-150, there are two things that you want to accomplish with your coolant. I see some people put fans everywhere because they're just like, more fans, definitely cooler, it's got to happen. But that's not the case, right? You want, at least and people argue about this, but I think the general consensus is you want neutral, right? You want as much air coming in and as much air going out. So you want your fans to be in sync in that way. So you want air pulling in from the front if you have the front and pulling out the same amount in the back, able to move that airflow, kind of have this neutral in between. I don't necessarily know about that. I think you're you're better off with a neutral or a positive pressure where you have more air coming in than out. So I am in an extremely dusty environment. So I think some of this depends on where you live. Good because point. Because it yeah. is so dusty here, I want positive pressure because it helps keep my system cleaner longer. But not necessarily cooler, but I guess if it is cleaner, cooler. Because yeah. if it's full of dirt, it's not going to be able to cool itself very well. So good point. But if you're not in the desert, then, you know, <laughs> neutral is good. But you're right. A lot of people do go still. And and the, when I say a lot of people, I mean professional builders still go for the positive. So you're not you're not wrong on there. But that's essentially what they're doing with NVIDIA is that they are creating a cool air in, push hot air out method of fans. So you're kind of reverse one fan pulling in, one fan pushing out which you don't typically see on a GPU. What do you see? All the fans turning the same direction, pushing all the air out, the hot air out. On the same side, yep. On the same side. So this was very innovative on their part to keep this cool. So the three cards that we have are the 3070, which is faster, they claim, than the 2080 Ti and is half the price. I feel so bad for everyone that bought a 2080. ADTI like this week, last week, a month ago, six months ago, and paid nine hundred plus dollars for it when RTX thirty seventy drops faster than twenty eighty Ti at 
$499. That is definitely sad for the people who, especially if they've just bought one, but you cannot believe how excited I was to see this card actually come down to a price range where it's still expensive, right? You're, it's not sure. like it's pocket change, but it's actually come down to a price range where people can help justify this purchase price. Whereas some of the prices last time, holy crap, it was like, man, in order to afford that upgrade, you're selling your first kid. Well, I got to ask you on that because a lot of people are speculating about why NVIDIA did this. And Michael, as somebody who does marketing, it would be interesting to get your take on this as well. So you have the flagship RTX 3080. Beautiful, beautiful card here. Obviously, two times as fast as the 2080 at the exact same price at 699 You have the 3090 Titan in here, which is just insanity. What did, what did they call it in Spaceballs? Like ludicrous, ludicrous speed? Ludicrous yeah, speed. ludicrous speed. Yep. Yeah. So this is ludicrous speed. 24 gigabytes of GD, GDDR, just rolls off the tongue, 6X RAM here and 750 watt required, power supply required. With the GPU power of 350 watts at $1,499. So that one's more in the typical ridiculous price range, but it's meant to be, right? It's an enthusiast only card that's comically huge. But the 3070 and 3080 are priced really low. NVIDIA is the king already. Why, Michael, are they lowering their prices lower than they need to here? They're basically underselling everyone who bought an NVIDIA last generation they have no competition out there that's beating them. I, okay, there's two things that I think. One is that these prices are already ridiculous. So even with this cheaper than the last generation, it's still a ridiculous price for a one single component. And that is why, that's why the perspective of the non-enthusiast looks at this and goes, so I could go here and get a $700 computer or I can get this $700 single component. So... There is there is that factor, so that's why they're kind of lower. They made that lower option with the 3070. Uh, I'm very surprised that the 3070 at the lowest level is f- faster than their you know last year's like big stack kind of thing. But the other f- factor is I think that they they see the writing on the wall of AMD destroying one company and putting them to the position where Intel has kind of become a joke, and to the point where AM- Intel's even outsourcing stuff. So AMD becomes a a big player in the CPU space that is undeniably the superior option. And if Nvidia ignores what AMD's doing on the GPU side in the same way that Intel did, then they would re- have the same reaction, the same effect. And this is a way that I think that they're trying to, you know, get in front of that possibility and say, "Hey, we are still relevant. We're innovating." Very interesting. So, you know, the I was looking it up, and the the two series was not a bad seller for Nvidia. Don't get me wrong; they were probably very excited for their sales numbers, or any normal person would be. But they did not sell as well as they expected. So that was one factor. So I think you're on there. You've got Big Navi coming out with AMD, and what AMD has offered in the GPU world is not the fastest GPUs, but they have offered best price for performance GPUs. So while it may not have been the fastest card out there, you were still able to run the games in 2K. You were still able to get well over 60 frames per second and at a much cheaper cost than NVIDIA out there. So I think that's a really good point 
that they've been kind of scared off or worried what AMD Big Navi is going to bring, maybe not in the power, but perhaps in the price. And this puts AMD in a really tough position because they have Big Navi coming out and it's going to be pretty hard to sell an enthusiast gaming card that is more expensive than the RTX 3070, which is faster than the 2080 Ti. At half the price at $499. So what do you do? Release a AMD come out and release their top of the line Radeon 8 for $450? Now there's a, and a marketing play, depending on if it's true or not, there's a way to ad- address this and even still make NVIDIA kind of not that important. And that would be the uh, CPU side. So obviously this is a, a weird way of going for this play, but the CPU market is dominant by AMD at this point. Like it was a, like a, a couple of years ago, there was like a, a question of whether or not the Intels were better. But at this point, there is no question. The, even the, the even if you go from every tier, the, it's cheaper to get an AMD in most cases. And in the case where you're talking about, I want absolute power, AMD just wrecks Intel with their thread rippers and stuff like that. So if they made the GPU a heavily integrated suite with the CPU and that the efficiency of the CPU helps with the GPU, then they can push that as a marketing play because most people are are at this point are getting AMD CPUs anyway. So if they can, even if it's slightly slower and the price is better than, or at least comparable, and they push it in a sense of saying, you get a GPU and a CPU, you get an amazing experience because they work together in tandem whereas the NVIDIA couldn't offer that. Just a brilliant point because, you know, Intel technically, I think, sells the most GPUs because they count in the figure the CPUs that have the integrated GPUs. But AMD has made a huge play in this realm, and they've made a huge dent because the Vega 8 graphics are incredible. That's what's inside the Nook, and it can game amazing on my 2K monitor. Absolutely amazing. Well over 60 frames per second for games absolutely dominate and i don't have to have a separate gpu to accomplish that so amd definitely playing with the integrated gpu being on the seven nanometer architecture and they're obviously improving every single generation on that manufacturer fabrication process that's a big play for them they they have dominated they have all the consoles that are coming out which is another thing that some people are speculating that nvidia is scared of the new playstation the new xbox that's coming out, taking away a lot of their potential market here. So they're pricing themselves in an arena where, well, I, although I heard, and we'll talk about it in next hardware addicts that the new, was it the Microsoft announced like a 399 is their new console or some ridiculously low price. So I don't know if their plan worked out there, if they expected that, but maybe they, some people were speculating they were trying to take some of the thunder away from the console gamers, but that doesn't make much sense because like you said, Michael, this is a single component that costs the cheapest version, $499. So um, I'm not sure that's the thing. I think this is more of a really trying to own this market and not get people to look at AMD anymore because it would be very difficult for AMD to come out with a eGPU, although great point about integrated, to compete at this price range and have brand new architecture out there and software and all this AI implementation and direct storage work that they're doing with Windows and I.O. and all of these things put together. NVIDIA's got an impressive package here. I want to take a time out here for just a minute. And what I love the most about the conversation that you two just had 
was this is what we are asking for between Intel and AMD, and we are getting it between NVIDIA AMD, and that is competition battling over who's got the best product at the best price and benefiting who? The consumer. Us. Absolutely. Really good point. I do want to mention, too, that these cards do have one downside that I've seen. I don't know if you picked up on it, Wendy, but the power requirements. They do seem like they are requiring a lot of power on these cards from the numbers we've gotten. And this is another one of those things that I'm really excited to see the real world testing because how much of this is what they're saying is base requirement and how much do you actually need? How much of these actually drawing? Right. So you get this impressive performance to your point, Wendy, when you first, and, and a lot of companies do this by the way. So it's something to look out for is in the first, you know, 60 seconds, two minutes or whatever, they run these benchmarks, but the cards get so hot at a certain point that they throttle. So they never will show you footage after that few minute mark. And it's a great way to fake numbers if you want, right? So the there is some worry here about some of the footage they're showing in 8K and 60 frames per second and ray tracing turned on. Is this the entire game? Or is this card getting so hot because it's pulling in so much power and is so big, by the way, makes me wonder why they had to have such a huge, massive body to this thing to try to dissipate the amount of heat that this card must be putting off the new cooling solutions and everything else. It's interesting. It will be funny to see how this all plays out at the end. But man, on paper, they killed it. Well, and if if you are needing this much wattage, so they're saying on the Titan, which to me, the Titan, the way they marketed was this is not for your average gamer. They were addressing some of the people that were using this for work, for game development with the 3090 Titan, which is how they were putting it. So they're saying you need at least 750 watts on a power supply. Check. Already got it. And that it requires 350 of those watts to run it. Is that you need 350 watts to have ray tracing turned on 8K at 60 frames per second? Is that if like full bore all the time? And this is saying that's what it's going to need to have it maxed out, or is this what you need to run the car day to day? That is what I'm unsure of. So does someone actually need to have that large of a power supply? Well, with a 12-pin power connector that comes included, it makes me think so. So I had the Radeon 7. The Radeon 7 is my favorite GPU I have ever owned, period. My second favorite GPU I've ever owned, was NVIDIA's 1080 when it came out because it was just the powerhouse. It really, to me, blew away anything I had played with up to that point. Those are my two favorite cards. The Radeon 7 had the HBM2 memory with 7 nanometer. It was the first 7 nanometer card out there, but it didn't require this much power either. And it was much, much more on the cutting edge at that period of the technology. Obviously, you didn't have to have 12 pins to begin with. so. That helps, but it required 295 watts and the suggested PSU was 600 watts. They're not super far from this, but this is years after this has been released, pushing this kind of power into a card. That's a lot on an eight nanometer form factor that they're trying to do here. 
I'm, I have some suspicions on the heat this is going to produce. Well, and that brings me back to the way that they're doing the cooling on this card. So a lot of this exhaust is coming up right to your CPU cooler. So this is going to make a difference of, is it going to make your CPU run hotter because the way this card is being exhausted? Is it going to be better now to have a water cooling solution because the way this card exhausts the heat? How much heat is it actually putting out? All of this together says, you know, this looks cool and I hate to be a broken record, but there is no way in the world that I would run out and buy one of these until testing is done because there's way too much that is quote unquote brand new, way too much that is hard to say on thermal solutions, power needs, all of that stuff to say awesome, but it's not coming out of my wallet yet. Yeah, true. Now, I, I still want, while we're being a little suspicious of what this will actually end up being able to produce, I just want to put out there, we're, we're still, believe me, Wendy's ridiculously excited about this thing because she's a hardware geek as well. But oh, I think yeah. it's right that we do, while we're excited, we do kind of like, but we got to see what it actually does. Yeah. Cause, I mean, these are, these look like some awesome cards. And I really wanted the Vega 7. I can't not be excited about this memory upgrade on these and the amount of memory you're getting. Even if you're going with the 3070, you're getting six gigs. You go for what they would say for their general user, their power has to a card, the 3080, and you're getting 10 gigs of not just DDR, DDR G6. Holy crap, that really does roll Isn't that hard to say? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm doing tongue twisters. (laughs) But it is the upgraded version of the GDDR6. It's the GDDR6X. Right. Super. We should add super to it. Super. Super. Very interesting stuff. I don't know. So, Michael, are you interested in picking up one of these cars? Has this convinced you that it's time to go away from Team Red on the GPU side and check out what NVIDIA is cooking? Uh, Did you see the prices? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the prices are fantastic for these cards. Fantastic. They're, they're, they're right. fantastic for those cards in the sense of like the enthusiast aspect. Um, I, I'm, I'm still working on getting to that level of enthusiasm. Uh, not there yet. Gotcha. Not, at least not the, uh, especially not the 1500. How about HDMI 2.1, where if you want to take advantage of the 2.1, you got to throw away all your current HDMI cables, although the connector's the same. I mean, they're backwards compatible, but you need a 2.1 connector to take advantage of double the bandwidth in the HDMI 2.1. Does does that throw you over? Now you ready to spend the money? Super excited now. Oh my goodness. You can't, you, you, you had me at HDMI 2.1. Well, how is you going to have an 8K monitor if you don't have HDMI 2.1? So I know you have what, six 8K monitors that you do podcasting in? So, I do actually yeah. have six monitors. None of them are 8K or 2K or 4K. All combined or, might or, be 1K. Some, <laughs> some of them aren't even 1080p. So, uh, no. No, I'm good. <laughs> I, I think that that I, I'm, I'm very interested overall and in, in looking at the benchmarks to see how it stacks up in terms of like what their claims are. But in terms of using it, oh, no. No, I'm good. I, I think that I will uh, actually the the GPU I I have is a, is a Vega 64 from AMD. That's a great and, card. Yeah, it is power. It is more powerful than I need. So I will probably have this for a little while. 
until AMD releases something better. Well, I know they already did something better, but I mean, like the next they got gen the big of that. Navi coming out, right? That the, yeah, I think that I'm actually also at this point kind of an AMD fan, like a uh, maybe even a fanboy. I don't know. It's okay. Accept your fanboyism. See, I bet you if AMD, this is an AMD announcement, and they took over the GPU market, you'd be jumping up and down. Because it's NVIDIA, they've been king for so long, it's kind of hard, I get it, to get excited. And it makes sense for something where it's kind of like they dominate and they're like, hey, we're competing against ourselves. Here's something even more powerful. And and then the next year... Hey, we're competing against ourselves again. Here's something more powerful. Like, no, I I respect the fact that when they when Nvidia does something and they make a new release and it actually is a genuine upgrade and, and the prices are still reasonable to overall what they were and like the, the people were making jokes about how the Titans like fifteen hundred dollars, but the Titans were always like fifteen hundred dollars. So it's, it's not it's an enthusiast card, right? Yeah, yeah, that's not really shocking. And but at the same time, I respect the fact that they are upgrading their hard they're actually doing an upgrade of the hardware and it being a significant jump whereas when they were doing the supers and the uh, stuff like that i was like who cares this is a worthless update it's like oh they slightly modified an existing thing and there was even arguments where they were like the 1600 or the 1660 super or whatever was inferior to the low level 2060 or something it was just like weird nonsense stuff all of that i just don't care this is i'll give them respect of that at least they're doing an upgrade here so when they're competing against themselves the fact that they're competing against themselves and also destroying their previous generation in that competition i respect that however they also do that whole nonsense release that i don't care about which makes me less pay attention to them and amd when they typically well typically they did that with the xt sort of the way that AMD normally releases stuff, it's exciting because one, they're doing massive innovation and they're also doing it at prices that don't make me just, you know, jaw drop and can't believe how Plus ridiculous. Lisa Sue. Anytime I see Lisa Sue take the stage, I'm just like a little school kid all giddy. Like, what do you got <laughs> for me, Lisa? Here's my wallet. Yeah. Whatever and you I also, want. I also love the fact that they they care about open source and all that stuff. So I think that there is, uh, I would be very, ha- very excited with AMD. I'm still excited that NVIDIA is doing this, but not as excited as the, I guess, CEO who did an announcement saying that ray tracing was going to create time travel at the end of that thing. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, okay. Like, you're going to be able to backtrack all Another one. It's the best. We the best. (laughs) At the end of the day, great job, NVIDIA, on not being a jerk company where you could have, because you don't have a lot of competition, at least at this moment, said, 3078.99, you know, 3080. Yeah, good job at not being Intel. <laughs> yeah, good job on that. And, you know, I think that if NVIDIA would spend some more time in open source community and making their drivers work well with other operating systems, there may be a little more love for them. It's interesting that despite being king, they got dethroned by AMD in the console wars and a lot of server wars and other partnerships AMD has been able to form with their GPUs, which on paper, are not as powerful as NVIDIA, but they've been able to create those partnerships. So I think NVIDIA is sweating possibly a little bit there, but they're reacting instead of Intel, which tends to sit on its hands. They're actually reacting to the market here a little bit. I would be very excited to try one of these and bring you videos on these. Unfortunately, the little muffin power supply I have only goes to 600 watts, which means <laughs> I can't use any of these cards, technically, at least. Well, that is, power supply. That, that is not adorable. That is not adorable. But you know what is adorable? Bitwarden. Tell us about it, Michael. 
This episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the adorable password manager that I use and trust. You can go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. I've been using Bitwarden for a while now, and I love it. It not only helps me keep track of hundreds of passwords and has a random password generator to make those passwords, but it, what really makes me love it is, in addition to the great features, Bitwarden is an open source software company. So some people think that it is better to have software as proprietary because it's protected in some sort of weird secrecy bubble. But to me, if something is open source, it shows a strong level of confidence. Because Bitwarden is so confident in their code, they're willing to put that code out so people can dig through it. And in addition to that, they also do third-party auditing where they contact third-party security firms and have them dig through the code and make sure that it is as good as it possibly can be and has the best security as it can. This is why I made the move many years ago to Bitwarden and also I think you should too. $10 per year. That's right, per year. And with that premium account, you get one gigabyte of encrypted file storage. You get two-step two login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, and more. Uh, Vault health reports, TOTP authenticator storage and generation for temporary one-time passwords for those who don't know what that means. So make them smart move for like, from, like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring Hardware Addicts and the Destination Linux Network. That was adorable ad read there, Michael. Wendy, take us into the adorable camera corner and tell us about light mods. You are just all about the adorable today, aren't That's you? That's right. <laughs> well, last week we talked about using flash on your camera and the best way to use any kind of flash is with a light modifier and quick definition what is a light modifier it's anything that you use to change the light in order to make it give you the look that you want and one of the most popular light modifiers is a softbox and if you haven't seen one before it's a lot like what it sounds you have a black box all the way around your light and in front you have some sort of white fabric. The light will come through that white fabric which spreads it out over your subject and you can get these in all different sizes from absolutely massive to little teeny tiny ones that would sit on top of your on-camera flash. There's so many different ways that you can get these. Something little tiny, along, cute, adorable ones you can get? Little tiny, cute, adorable Aww, ones. Which, I need one for my power supply. To me, for the most part, I don't know how much those actually <laughs> help. When, when we're talking about light, go outside and look at the sun. Now, we know the sun is absolutely massive. Well, now I'm blind. Was, yeah, was wait a minute. In a previous episode, you told us not to look at the sign. Mix signals. Sun. Heavens, you two. I'm <laughs> Mixed not signals. saying literally. <laughs> Goodness sakes, there is no working. Instructions out. unclear, blinded. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Wendy. <laughs> okay, think of the sun in your mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, the actual sun is massive, but in the sky, it's this small round circle. So even though it's big in reality, in our scope of things, it's this really, really bright light that's far away. And it makes shadows really sharp, very harsh. So if somebody's outside, the sun is shining on them, the shadows on their face under those chin, those, those lines can be really hard. Whereas if you have a light source, a great big light source that's in really close, any of those shadows are going to be soft. And what does that mean? They're gradual 
from the brightest part of it to the darkest part of it. It radiates through that shadow. And you can do that with these soft boxes. There's also strip boxes. So it's the basically the same thing, but they're usually long and thinner. And they're typically used in like product photography. Where you're trying to get a highlight specifically on the bottle in one direction. You can get octoboxes. I mean, they really do come in Trapezoids. all shapes and sizes. <laughs> can we get a rhombus? Shapes and sizes. <laughs> I guess you could like <laughs> go for it. But those are one of the most widely used. Another one that's used a lot, especially in photography of people, portraits, that kind of thing, are umbrellas. And literally, they look like the umbrella that you take out in the rain. Except for you have the silver ones. So the outside of it is black. The inside of it is silver. And your light is shining on the silver part of the umbrella and bouncing back. And so those are going to give you the brightest light and the sharper shadows. Then you have the ones that are so black on the outside. They're white on the inside. And so that reflection isn't going to be quite as bright. It's not going to be quite as harsh. And your shadows are going to be softer. And then that we have what's called a shoot-through umbrella. So the fabric is all white from top to bottom. And so you can take the umbrella, turn it around, and it's diffusing the light similar to our soft boxes, where the light's coming through that fabric and fanning out as it goes through it. You can also get these from small to massive, I think some of the biggest ones I've seen, like 72 inches across. I don't know. I know that you can get ones that are absolutely huge and you have to have a massive space in order to use them. So they'd be great for groups and, and that kind of thing. So you're saying and those are not adorable? No, no. I wouldn't call them adorable. <laughs> Mary Poppins would. <laughs> Mary Poppins would, y'all. But they definitely give you a, a different look to your light. And that's one of the best things about these different modifiers as we go through. The way that they shape and changes the light gives you a different look. So if you find a look that you want or you're trying to produce a certain look, this is where these different varieties come through. And we have a popular one for people, especially women, and it's called a beauty dish. Beauty dish is a very specific tool. So usually it's a metal pan type shape. It's not that thick. It's not that deep. But over top of your main light source is another piece of domed metal in the center. So your light will hit this domed metal in the center. And then from there, it'll disperse through this silver pan and onto your subject. It provides a really flattering light. It gives a nice sparkle to the eyes. That is the, that's an only beauty dish. You can take a beauty dish and you can put what is called a sock over it. So a white piece of fabric and it'll diffuse the light, which still makes it pretty light, but it is no longer a beauty dish. You'll see that the ring lights, a lot of people use these ring lights on their cameras and they, while they're the same basic shape as a beauty dish, they do not give the same lighting effect as a true beauty dish does. So if you buy one and you like the look of the beauty dish, just know that if you put a sock on it, if you put a diffuser on it, 
it technically is no longer a beauty dish because you are changing the nature of the light in doing so. If you like it, then you better put a sock on it. So is this better <laughs> than the ring light that I currently have? Should I be using a beauty dish? No, your ring light is great. Well, I have to say that the ring lights do, in the most part, provide a very flattering light for video and that kind of thing because they light the whole face. So they make sure that you don't have shadows under your eyes or, you know, funky shadows under your chin. They really light the whole face, but makes it you not have maybe some aging stuff that can happen with different light sources and harsh shadows in different directions. So they do have a great place. The only thing I hate about ring lights is the reflection in people's eyes. It always looks yes, that's so one of the problems. weird. Does like the beauty dish effect. remove that? Yes, you still have a circular highlight to the eye, but it's not a circular highlight with a hole in the middle. <laughs> Michael, I'm getting a beauty dish. I'm going to be so pretty. <laughs> you should. Yeah, yeah. Or It'll be adorable. Just get a- Softbox. I had a softbox, but it was so big, and I have to have something over my monitor that's behind my desk before the wall for the filming. And so the ring light was perfect because it takes up so little space, and the camera sits in the middle of it. But you know, I, I definitely need some uh, special anti-aging. Maybe he's born with it stuff uh, going on. So I'm thinking the uh, thinking I'm going to get a beauty dish. So you have to be able to find one that's got. A continuous light bulb in it. So for a lot of these, we're working on, you know, not with video camera. They're on a still frame. So you're using a flash. The nice thing about the ring light you already have is the light is always on. So you need to be getting, if you're getting a modifier that is a beauty dish, it needs to be paired with a light that's always on. And the advantage of your ring light is your camera is shining through that. The beauty dish you don't have that your camera has to be offset which can still you know you can still create a beautiful overall image with your beauty dish you just don't have the advantage of your camera sitting in the middle of your ring light so it's all neatly in the center of your monitor fine wendy i guess i'll never be beautiful i didn't say that (laughs) your wife thinks you're attractive does she let's move on (laughs) she's married to you i'd hope so (laughs) (laughs) but we'll move on to the bowl reflector what is that well it's it's pretty simple it's a silver reflector in the shape of a bowl and my favorite thing my favorite part of these they're typically smaller way smaller than your average beauty dish umbrella soft box but you can put grids on these well you can put grids on just about all of these but my favorite part about a bowl reflector is you can get more specific on where the light goes. I have one. It's one of my favorite things to use. With mine, I have, I can use it plain by itself. No diffusion. It'll send a really bright light onto the subject. I have a 50 degree, a 30 degree, and a 10 degree grid that I can put on it, which really narrows where that light goes. On top of that, you can add light modifiers that narrows it way down to a single point. So say you're working on a product and you want to make sure the label on that product in camera is highlighted beautifully. This is where you would take a bowl reflector, put some additions on it 
So when you snap that picture, not only is the bottle highlighted gorgeous, but there is a nice bright spot on that label makes it easier to read and makes your post processing so much nicer. Uh, I do want to say that I'm, I did some DIY light stuff. And how did it go? I, it works actually works pretty well. And I, there's two, there's one I haven't done, but I'm looking forward to it to kind of play with it. I just see how much it's also DIY, but one DIY I did, which is, you know, it, it, there's a lot of people say that you don't need to do any mods or you don't need to spend a lot of money because it's like natural light and whatever. What I did was go to like Home Depot type Lowe's type of thing and got can lights and then got diffusers to put on top of the can lights. So I get the inside silver bouncing stuff and then diffuse it with a couple layers of frosted shower curtains, actually, that you can get for like four bucks at Walmart. And you just cut them up and set them on top and it works quite well it looks very jank but it it works quite well and the other thing careful with the plastic version because people have been known in diy because i am totally for diy lighting solutions especially Mm -hmm. if you're doing stuff for yourself and clients are never going to see what the lighting looks like but if you're using the plastic ones they can melt and not only make a mess but really stink so go with the fabric version of the shower curtain. Well, I'm I'm using the uh, it actually is the plastic kind, but I also did think about that and did uh, I've got some uh, daylight LED bulbs so they don't put out any heat. So well, they uh, still put out some heat, but nowhere near as much heat as some of the other bulbs can. Well, okay, I didn't know that, but I did I did knew I knew they didn't have a lot of heat because I tried to I touched them every once in a while just to prove it to myself but uh, it doesn't seem to have He's any like, issues ow, with it ow, ow, well i ow. mean is it not because it no, because it makes it claim that it's not hot you know it's not because i'm like oh i need to touch it because it I, I want pain he just uh, keeps no, that's, burning himself. yeah that's not that's not how it works anyway so also i saw this thing on youtube that reminds me of like how the beauty dish works and it's called a cake pan light where you just get a cake pan and then get uh, led strips and like wrap it around the inside of the pan and then um, also put a like diffuser on top of it, and you kind of create like a soft a soft box with a cake pan. And I just but thought that was pretty around, interesting. Around quote unquote soft box, yeah, yeah. And also because I would think the cake those parts pan would is cost silver. more than that, than that piece would. I mean, because these things aren't really that expensive. And if I took my wife's oh, they cake totally pan can. and put LED lights around it, she'd beat me with the cake pan. They well, you get one of those like. Be- Crummy. Crazy expensive. Yeah. You can go anywhere from, you know, a softbox being 30 bucks with a stand and some lights, some of these basic starter kits to softboxes in and of themselves that are for $500. So there is a big range, just like cameras, just like we talked about with lights. You can go anywhere from the relatively good place to start with to holy wrap to fit an entire studio <laughs> with this stuff would cost a fortune well we're going to get into more of this next week because we had such a long episode this week there's more to talk about all kinds of different things that wendy has here and we'll get into it in the next episode but that's it our 18th episode of hardware addicts is a wrap thank you for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix and if you're not all lit up on tech yet then be sure to check out the amazing content on destination linux network Head to destinationlinux.network to check out all the great podcasts 
YouTube partners. There's so much to fill your brains with. And remember, there is no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time for another adorable ray tracing beauty dish episode of Hardware Addicts.